You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. And we're live. It's the human condition. I'm Vince Orlando. I'm Steve. And I'm Sean. How's it going, guys? How are you? I'm fantastic. Apologize for the unexpected hiatus, everybody, had, last week. That was uh, had to give you jailbreak. Yeah, you know? literally, <laughs> literally, it was uh, it, it, it was an eye opener. Um, you know, was, I knew it was coming. I, it, there was a mistake made, and, and uh, anyway, wasn't me. But uh, but yeah, um, gotta have the bail bondsman on. Uh, you know, you know, you never know when you might run something over. Or, that none of that happened. That's uh, we're just bullshitting. <laughs> I didn't run anything <laughs> over. Nothing. Um, Write that down. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so that, that's a nice segue into lack and limitation. Um, that's what we're talking about this week: lack and limitation. And we had we had a, a episode a while back on limiting beliefs. And limiting beliefs is similar. Uh, lack and limitation results in limited beliefs, but lack and limitation is a state of being. It's a state of consciousness. It's a fear-based state of consciousness, consciousness where you believe through your programming that you, you, you will never be provided enough, that, that it's dog-eat-dog, that it's, it's survival of the fittest. If I, don't, if I don't do what I need to do in this moment to get what I feel I need to get, somebody else is going to get it. If they get it, then I can't possibly have it. So it's so pretty common. Cool. Let's go even further back than that. I was thinking about this today, actually on the way here. Where does limiting beliefs and lack come from? Fear. But it, I think it kind of comes from when we were kids. Oh, The for sure. comparing my outsides to other outsides, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, your parents being like, I'm not getting you those Jabot jeans. That shit's bullshit. It's too much money. Stuff like that. And well, then, the 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 limiting belief comes from the fact that you even want that shit. Well, you know, I, I think it's safe to say that in the social concepts of uh, the youth, you're going to want to fit in, right? And if brand names is how you fit in at that time, it's just the way it is. But it's fear, right? Yeah, you know. Fear of not fitting. Right, right. Yeah, fear of not fitting in. That was always my driving force was right. a fear of not. It wasn't so much that I was so cool and I had to have. It was that, well, if I don't, then I'll get judged and I don't right. want to be made fun of. I mean, it, it didn't matter for me because I didn't get any of that shit. <laughs> but um, I, I think that's kind of where things stem from in a capitalistic society mm-hmm. um, where, you know, you'll learn – to prepare for the time when you don't have enough, you know, it's like you're already preparing for lack. You're taught yep. how to prepare for times of lack. Because they're because, most definitely around the corner. Right, right. <laughs> because it's a fear-based thing. And so I'm going to instill, you're going to want to save, you're going to want to do this, you're going to want to do that, all in preparation for the lack and limitation. So I, I think that some of it is ingrained uh, in the belief structure Starting at a pretty young age, it is, and it's it's generational, right? I mean, this this comes from look, and we can't fault the generations prior because there was a time where where you truly were limited, right? It, it, when you're a hunter gatherer, 
and a bad stint of weather hits and all of a sudden you're, you're, there's famine or there's the, the, the animals have died. And so it's ingrained in our DNA because, because of our history. I mean, there, there was a time where, where we did have to live in a certain amount of fear because it was truly survival of the fittest as human beings. And there was no talk of consciousness. This type of, we, we were animalistic in, in our drives. And that's, that is the, the, what we call the monkey mind, right? It's the reptilian brain, which is what scientists call it. Brainstem. It's, it's this to the amygdala. It, 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 prior to the neocortex, it's all of this right here. And it's fight, flight, freeze, collapse. And then it's survival. And it's the basic, uh, mechanistic, uh, motivations of the body to urinate, to, to, uh, get waste out of your body, to procreate, um, to procreate. Yeah, you had it a little different than I heard it. I heard it was fight, flight, feed, and fuck. Well, I mean, there's there, there, there's that too, but I, I don't know that, that that fits into. I mean, but fight or flight, it can go into that too. I mean, because that's where does uh, the need to procreate, and we see it, and a lot of times in poorer communities where people are constantly having babies that they can't support. Well, they're they're trying to subconsciously what they're doing is they're trying to build their tribe, right? Subconsciously, it's a survival mechanism, and that's ingrained in us, you know, in our animalistic brain, our reptilian brain. That's so it starts there, and then you know we know in the human condition we're constantly trying to overrun those drives, those primal drives. Because why? Because well, we're not going to start. We live in America, right? And people can say what they want about America, but we're blessed here. And yes, we do live in a bubble and it's our job to try to make our way out of that social bubble, the social constructs you're talking about. But we have a real luxury to do that. We're not living in a third world country where truly your life is fear based, right? I was, I don't know if you saw the thing I posted on from the body keeps the score where they were, they were analyzing these drawings of, of kids in war torn countries. And that was tragic to look at that and to know that, well, how do you ever overcome that? Right. Like, how do you you live in a war zone and we all live in our own personal war zones to a certain degree. But you live in a place where you could die. You could die any minute. Your family could die. Your house could be blown up. Think of what we do when we drop bombs on it. I think about that shit, man, when we drop bombs on a country and the majority of the people had nothing to do with that fighting. So we perpetuate fear. And that's fear based, right? Yeah. That when we send people over there, it's it's that there's a fear that these human beings are going to try to infringe on what I have. So let's take what they have and conquer that before they get us. That's pussy shit. You know what I mean? I used to think I was a tough guy back in the day because I could throw a punch. Really, I was just scared of getting hit. So I would throw the first punch, and and a lot of times it'd be a good one. You know what I mean? But when I go back, it was like everything I did was because I was really a little bitch. I was really scared of not fitting. <laughs> honestly, like, and I did a good job at it. I propped myself Wild up. Man up. taught me he's like anyone can throw a good punch, but if you can take a punch, then you got something. Right, right. <laughs> and I was capable of both, but you know, I, I wasn't really a fighter. Like my, I, I really wasn't. I didn't want to fight anybody. I didn't want to hurt anybody. That wasn't in my DNA. I was taught it. You know, I was taught it and then I, I grew up in some places where, well, people would take your shit if you didn't, you know, but, but did, I, re I really wasn't t t a tough guy. How did you learn about prosperity and abundance and removing the lack and limitation 
that ideas that came after the the ketamine experience and the birth of my son and quantum physics. Once I understood from a logical perspective that we are all one, because you know I I, I get the woo woo stuff right, and I, that makes me feel good. But the the you know my both sides of my brain fire pretty much equally. They they communicate well together. So. So I, I fell into this unconditional love feeling, which opened me up to emotions that I'd never felt before. Never felt before in my life. Unconditional love was foreign to me because I was completely fear-based in my entire existence. So that happened. Then I needed to make sense of it. That's just how I'm wired. So quantum physics made sense. I'm like, oh, shit. And I, for whatever reason, I had a deep understanding of it just right off the rip. I could read – you know, Hawking, Hawking's a little more complex than, say, a Michu Kaku who will lay it out for the layperson. So I started with Kaku and then I started going into uh, Hawking and, and uh, Sean Carroll, you know, and that, that'll get you bogged, bogged down a little bit by mathematics. But when I understood that we're all one, um, then, then the consciousness first aspect of our being made sense. Now, if, 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 God is consciousness. God, consciousness is God. I don't need to define what that God is, but I know that we're all one. Well, I know that everything I need is here at my disposal at any given time. All I have to do is have faith that my needs are being served in whichever way they befall me on the planet. And that's probably a little more in depth than, than, you know, people who are, you know, new to this, these types of concepts, um, to where it, 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 it may not make sense, but for me, it was that profound, and it was in the feeling of unconditional love and the understanding that we are all one with both sides of my brain that I was able to let go of the fear on a conscious level. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist at a subconscious level because the dumb shit that I do still, that comes from there, right? It's not my conscious mind knows better. Do you believe that tithing is attached to your abundance and your prosperity? Not specifically, but I do believe um, that giving – when it's from a place of – not a place of codependence, right? If I don't do this, then there's going to be consequences because you can give from that place too. If I don't do that, God's going to be mad at me. Or if I don't do that, then my girlfriend's going to be mad at me. Or I don't do that, then my kids are going to be mad at me. That's codependence. But if I'm giving fully because I, I, because I, I like the feeling and because I there's a, a belief that if I just inject good into the universe, then – not that good will befall me, but that I can illuminate my space, then it's it's something different. So it has to be from that perspective. It can't be from a fear-based perspective because that's also a form of lack and limitation. Right. If I don't, then the consequences are this. I don't want the consequences. I fear the consequences. So, you know what I mean? So, so I really have to – if I'm giving, I have to make sure it's from the heart. It's from the heart with no with – no, uh, Outcome attached, you know, or didn't, I'm sorry, didn't Clint Eastwood say that a man's got to know his limitations? Well, I mean, I I can't quote Clint, but (laughs) he may have. It sounds like a very Clint thing to say. Man's got to know his limitations. That's uh, Dirty Harry. Oh, yeah. 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 So I I think, you know, you don't want to be bogged down by limitations, obviously, but you also have to know like you're the difference between like what you're talking about, which is spiritual limitation, right? And physical limitation, yeah, kind of different things, right? Well, you got to know what's for you, right? Rather than know what's not for you, I think you need to put more emphasis on what's for me. Where do I feel good? Naturally. where? where so I'll get into these uh, – I always have an excuse not to work on me 
not to work on other people, to ignore phone calls. Like I can bog myself down in work and, and truly there's things that need to be addressed there that only I can do. So I can make excuses to not think about the things that really excite me. So I, there's one guy at my work in particular. He, he's, he's on a path, right? He's, me and him can get into some deep conversations. And in the world that we exist in, that's not common. So I'll be bogged down with some shit that's driving me crazy, like some high-stress finance bullshit. I'm dealing with this investor out in New York or this lawsuit over here, and I'm buried in this, right? And I don't want to talk to anybody. And when people come up to ask me a question about um, a job, <clears throat> I don't want to hear it, and I'll give a little at it. I'm like, okay, you know, you, yeah, all right, what do you want? You want? But when he comes up and he asks me some shit that that matters. I might have the gut reaction because I'm busy, I'm ingrained in this, but what I've noticed is that I'll drop it all for that question because I now I can get into this conversation and I know that I, f- I feel like there's more purpose in that even though there's no financial purpose, even though I might be working on a, a million-dollar complex, right? And I got to get this out because lack and limitation. We might not get the deal if I don't get right. this out, but if he comes in, him specifically, and he drops this question on me, I've learned now to say, well, this is – I'm going to move towards where – because I'm conditioned to think that's laziness. I've just diverted from the task that brings in money to talk about things that make me happy. I must be lazy. So I have to break that pattern in my thinking. So I'll drop everything and I'll just – I'll sit and talk for an hour about shit that matters because I've recognized that I feel better there than I do talking about dollars and cents. You know, So it's a – it's a – the limitations – I did I can't fly, right? But I can build an airplane. As a human being, you can do those things. So where do the limitations lie? Well, you look at your, okay, I'm confined to the five senses. I can't walk through this wall. But I can create some technology that might teleport me. You probably can't beat Mike Tyson in a fair fight right this instant. Probably can't, but why would right. I think about it? You never it? know if you smoke enough ganja. It's a, li- yeah. it's a limitation <laughs> that you have. You enough, can't if beat. If you smoke enough ganja, you never know. And the thing is, I would never think that I can't. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not going to – if I have to fight Mike Tyson, I'm going to fight Mike Tyson. And I'm going to give it my all. But See, I'm not going to sit here and limit myself in my thinking. I think that kind of thinking is dangerous. Like can, I know my limitations. Be. For example, I will never fight Mike Tyson if given the chance. Well, yeah, because also, Mike, I'll fight you. I don't want to fight you, man. Let's also, do, like, if let's I'm, do some if I'm at a bar. It's not practical. You know, you got to enter in practicality a little well, bit. It, like common sense. You got to enter in some common sense. Like uh, I'm not going to step in the ring with Mike Tyson. Well, I know. I get what you're saying. Like I it's unlikely it, to I come up. I don't look at it as a limitation. It's a gross exaggeration to, to prove a point you know? of mine. But it's in context. Like I'm in this context right now and there are limitations. I know that I can't jump onto this roof. I'll have to take a ladder. I know that right, uh, but you can get on the roof, right? I know that I shouldn't I'm not going to be able to buy a four million dollar house right this instant. It's a limitation that I have monetarily. Maybe in a few years, maybe after hitting the lottery or something I could, but right now it would be a bad idea for me to try. I think those are good things to admit to myself so to keep myself from hurting myself or others. Perfect example. So <clears throat> rewiring unlimited beliefs and stuff. So where a lot of the teaching comes from is that I believe that the universe is going to make that $4 million house possible for me. And I believe in the abundance and I believe that everything is working in my favor to achieve that. Without attachment to outcome, out attachment to time. Right. All I know is that 
The universe is working for my good. That's all I need to know. But by doing so, I give freely of the things that I have without any kind of expectation. And, you know, that's the whole law of a lot of this shit is that I give freely to all those around me, whether it's time, uh, using my talents, my gifts, whatever. And the universe supplies me with all the abundance and prosperity that I need. It's like a ebb and flow type thing, you know? It's like an energy field. Well, it, it, it is ebb and flow. It's reciprocity, right? Give and take. When you give from a, uh, a position wasn't, of, that the, wasn't that the motherfucking mastermind for yesterday? Was, was it? I give That's freely. I give freely uh, to those... I give freely to others knowing that God is, you know, taking care of all my needs or something. It's something like that. It you may know. it may have been. I missed yesterday. And um, I didn't eat. You know, I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a failure. <laughs> no, but uh, limiting belief. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and let's go back to that because if you approach everything from a standpoint of limitation, and not everything, but a lot of things, and we're taught to, right? I, I remember when I was uh, graduating high school and we had career day or whatever it was. And, and my counselor was always a troublemaker, but I got good grades. It was easy for me. And I always had an interest in physics, uh, primarily astronomy. And I, I remember – I can't remember what her name was, but she, she said, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, I don't know, something in astronomy maybe, physics, really astronomy. And she said, how are you going to make money doing that? We're in a poor neighborhood, right? Hazel Park's not rich. We're not even close. We're uh, lower middle class at best. But we weren't. You know, we were we were poor. Yeah. Um, so so that rung that rung my bell. I said, hmm. and she said, "You're a good talker. Um, you could. I mean, what about? I said, what about a, a lawyer? She said, Well, it's eight years of school. Okay. She said, You're a good talker. Um, you could go out to New York tomorrow and be a stockbroker." Next thing you know, I'm majoring in finance and international business in in college. That's good. I, it's good that I had that background and whatever, but it wasn't where my passion was, right? So immediately I believed I'm confined, and I always believed this when I was a kid. I'm confined by my, my social status. I'm confined by the fact that that I don't have money, so I can't do this and this. But I didn't really believe it, right? I did things in opposition to that limiting belief in the way that other kids in my neighborhood didn't. So I hustled my way through. I, my parents didn't know how to fill out a FAFSA. They didn't know anything. I was the first one to go to a university. A lot of people in our neighborhood didn't go to a university. I said, well, I'm going to go. I didn't fucking know how to go. I went up there and I hustled between administration buildings and got my got them to give me a check on the spot to attend school. Still don't know how I did it, but I did it. Because I didn't know better. I didn't have a belief up there that said I couldn't for some reason. There was something in me, and I think my mom ingrained this in me. My dad would tell me I ain't going to be shit, my biological. And then, you know, Mark was a dreamer. He was an artist and whatever. And then my mom would always instill, you can be whatever you want to be. I chose to believe that instead of you ain't going to be shit, even though my subconscious still tells me I ain't shit, I ain't ever going to be shit. Don't believe it. Um, So I went out there and I, I did that. And then I hurt my back in a car accident. And then the dream of, you know, the fact that I made the team for football and I sucked in high school, but I I was able to make that because I didn't believe otherwise. I wanted to play football now. Well, I hurt my back in a car accident. 
huh, maybe I'm going to go try this acting thing that I've always wanted to do, but was always too afraid because people would make fun of me. So I never did the drama thing because I was for nerds. Let me go do that. Pack my car that summer and I moved to L.A. I don't know a fucking person. You know, I guess the point in all of that is I could have opted to go with the limiting beliefs that I was surrounded by. And I didn't. That doesn't mean that subconsciously a lot of failures in my life have been have stemmed from the fact that deep down there's a part of me that still very much believes I don't deserve anything. Right. I don't believe that consciously. So that's carried me through. And I, I'm going through all this to get back to what you started with in that when it's when when it all starts. Right. John Bradshaw. Are you familiar with him? Not really. John Bradshaw talks about toxic shame and he oh, okay, talks about yeah. the roles that we assume when we're children. So eat. I, I mean, being being the uh, so you can be a scapegoat, right? You can be the black sheep. You can be the, be the overachiever, the underachiever. There's all these different mascot roles. mascot. There's yeah. all these different roles. And even when you're disguised as the overachiever. Where did Steve go? Oh, there. <laughs> Even when you're disguised as the overachiever, right? And you're achieving, achieving, achieving. It's fear-based. It's if I don't fit this role, everything that I hold dear is going to, the family is going to go away from me. The people are going to go away from me. I didn't achieve when I achieved out of love for what I was achieving. It was out of a fear of abandonment, like that subconscious fear of abandonment, ridicule. I couldn't deal with that. And, you know, the PTSD made it even worse because it was always fight or flight. It was life or death. There was no in between for me because I didn't have the space in between stimulus and response to work with. It was, you don't like me. I must suck. I didn't think that, but that's, I, I, I can feel myself physically falling into that. Like if I think back on the risks that I took with my life just to not be called poor again, like running drugs from cartel. Back to Michigan, like the shit that I did and the risk that I took with my life just so nobody could ever call me a starving artist. You know, it was fucking insane. And that was fear-based. Do I have some cool stories to tell? Am I lucky to have made it out alive? Because like you said, it can be dangerous. Fuck yeah, I can. I almost died several times, more times than I can count. I'm lucky to be here. Some people aren't that lucky. I don't know why me. You know, I don't know why I'm here, but... And maybe it is the fact that that there was a, a part of me that was stronger than the lowest part of me that told me you can get through this. You can get through this. And maybe it's just because I believe that part of me. But to start from a place of limitation, you can bet your ass that wherever you start, when you start from a place of limitation, you're going to stay in that place of limitation. Like, I, I, I don't think I can fly. But do I think I, if I put my mind to it, I could possibly build a device that that uh that could make me fly yeah might i die in the process okay well you know that that's a possibility too but the only reason we are where we are as a society we have this we can sit here and talk like this to the, the world literally the only reason that happened is because somebody believed there was no limit to this this is god shit like this is shit only gods could do 150 years ago like this right here is unfucking the fact that we can communicate on this and like people couldn't even conceive of this kind of communication. You know what I mean? And it's because somebody said, well, I don't believe what everybody else is saying. I say we can do that shit. That's how it all happens. We're it comes in steps too. like, you know, it, somebody didn't. 200 years ago didn't just dream up wireless networking or anything. <laughs> Tesla did, you know, <laughs> Tesla did not like this. But you know what I mean? Like the the and he was ridiculed and died penniless by himself, you know, but he, like this comes from him, you know, 
Mostly, yeah. For the, for he, I remember – now I know what you're talking about. Yeah, he created a remote control submarine <laughs> in 1880 and he showed it to the Navy and they said, why would we ever want this? He basically invented the first drone, drone. and they said, we don't need this. Yeah, that's, that's stupid. That's stupid. That's a toy. <laughs> I, honestly, lacking limitation. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah, in the human condition, are you subject to ridicule and rejection? Fuck yeah, you are. You know, anything that's ever been you look at a guy like Martin Luther King how many how how I just think about being in that position in life you know where literally everything that you see outside of you is against you they don't want you there it's not your I bet world that be like an exciting thing scary too right yeah but like you know did, did you sign up for this journey to just Walk on through, or did you sign most up people, for a little bit of an adventure? I'd say most people want to walk on through. I, I'm not much of the walk on through kind. Of, you know, I like a little adventure. But we're talking, we're speaking in a different language, yeah, right? I, I mean, I like adventure, but I don't like lynching. I don't want to get lynched. Well, you know, if you believe in something strong yeah, enough, I'm still not going to get promote. Still not going to do. You that. know, <laughs> equality. Uh, but someone does. This is an awful you know, chair. So, I know. So they all a, are. This is a limiting chair. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I would agree that the chair is limiting. But, I mean, that's what happens. It is diminishes like, stature. You know, uh, governments, you know, or, or just power takes advantage of people and eventually the power gets real familiar with taking advantage of people and eventually there are people that are going to have to stand up and say like this ain't fucking right you know like this needs to stop somebody just, someone needs to change something needs to change all you got to do is stand up you may be one but it only takes a couple the next thing you know couple turns into a few sorry i don't know how to send the link somebody just asked for the link to the podcast and i don't know how to do it my um, bad i'm listening so <laughs> You know, that's just how, you know, revolutions start. Sure. Sure. It starts with a spark, right? And it's only a handful of people. There's a, there's a, Greg Braden and some scientists did Did you say Great Britain? Greg Braden. Greg Braden. He's, (laughs) he's a, he's an amazing person. Look, I I read all his books. I was actually with him at the, uh, the conference for consciousness and human evolution. He was the keynote speaker, but, um, he, him and some, some scientists did an experiment on the exact number of people it takes to influence a population. And it's, I believe it's one tenth of one percent. And they would test it and they tested it in the seventies. Uh, they tested it in the eighties. I think during the outbreak of the, uh, the Gulf Wars, there was one instance where we knew this was coming, right? All the threats were going back and forth and all of these, these monks and high thinkers. They congregated somewhere near, and I, I don't know the story exactly, but look it up. They congregated near where the uh, orders were to be placed to uh, to send the bombs over. So it was one eighth of or one tenth of the percent of that population of that city. And I'm not saying that this is the thing that did it, but maybe it did. I, who's to say it's not? So they they meditated on peace, meditated on peace, meditated on peace. They saw peace. They saw peace. The first time in American history, the plane, it, w- it was dis- it was dispersed. It was ordered to drop the bombs. They called it back. 
So to me, that was that was fascinating. And and they've done experiments like this on multiple occasions where they've had people go in and and you know Greg's big on the uh, the, for, the the field the magnetic field of the heart, the, the strongest magnetic field in the human body, and it reaches out very very intensely. So all of us in this room were within each other's magnetic field of the heart. And that's the concept is when you get together and you push that out there, you push not praying, please don't, please don't bomb them. You know what I mean? Because that's all yeah. you're saying. You're, you're, it's fear, 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 yeah. fear. Please don't do this. No, it's peace. I see peace. I see peace. I see peace. Does that mean peace is going to happen? No. But got a better shot at it not by doing that. And what energy does it take really to actually – like when people don't believe in God – I don't believe in the traditional version of God, but I believe in a source, even if we're speaking from a, a quantum physics perspective or a physics perspective or the Big Bang. There, there was a singularity. I think we can we can all agree on that no matter what language we're speaking, right? So when people say, and this is the atheist, there's not a God and they're they're strong in that stance. Well, that's a belief. That's the same belief in that there is a God unequivocally and I know what that God is. You know what I mean? You have a choice to – and Einstein said I, – I love this quote by him and I'm, I'll fuck it up and paraphrase it. But he says you, you can live life two ways. A is if – he didn't say A but as if life is a miracle or as if everything is a miracle or as if nothing is, right? And that's kind of how I look at you know when you have a choice to say, well, there could be this higher power that really is compassion and I feel that. So I'm going to go ahead and believe in that or – I can believe that we're all worm food. You know, to me, the choice is easy because I, I can convince myself of either. That's my choice. I, I, and I can convince myself to, to walk into every situation in life with a fear of failure, limitation, fear that I lack, fear that I'm just not enough to make this happen. You know, I, I can do that. I have that choice. I'd rather not. Because then life becomes pretty fucking glib and, and I'm, I'm, you know, liable to jump off a building just to feel something. You know, that's, that's just me though. I think I'm more agnostic in the middle of the road, you know. Oh, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be an atheist. No. You might, you might be a little no, pessimistic. For, exac but. for exactly the reason that you, you mentioned too. Like I can't prove that there is and I certainly can't prove that there isn't. Right. Which to so, me seems fairly you – know, Right. That's, that's logical to me. People throwing around the – it seems like a lot of 13, 14-year-old woke kids are atheists now. Oh, yeah. There is no God. Like, well, you're you're definitely missing something because you can't prove a negative. Right. So you've never had proof. Not right. You can't. You never had proof that there's a God? Me? Personally? Yeah. yeah. No. So you have no near-death experiences? Oh, yeah. You think that was just getting lucky? Um, it could be physics. You know, yeah. It could, be. it could. Well, there's – you know, you get sick and you're made a certain way. So you get over sickness or you don't. Uh, but I think <clears throat> what makes me doubt – that uh, at least there might be a God, there might be the universe in control of everything. Whatever it is, in my opinion, I have a lot of evidence that it doesn't give two shits about this planet or these people or the 150 billion people that came before medicine or anything like that. I think suffering, real bad suffering. I'm talking about kids dying from diarrhea every single day. And nothing being done about it from the universe's perspective disallows me to say that there's a compassionate God. Well, 
I hear you. I, I, no, and I, I understand that, and I think about it too. But, but I, I see my viewpoint. You know, the Buddhists will say, "Be grateful for your pain." And when I learned to be grateful for my pain, and I had to get to a position to where I could, where I could look back and say, "Well, there was a purpose." If it weren't for that, I, I couldn't possibly have grown to where I am, and I couldn't have, I, I couldn't have raised my kids. And, and not that I'm perfect, but. I give them something different than what the the world at large gives them. Something that you can't buy. Something that it doesn't matter how many books I've read in my life. I could never convey to them in the way that I do that you don't have to be afraid. Doesn't mean they're not going to be afraid. No, they're going to have their their bouts with fear. But but the way that I'm able to be there for them is from that pain, from that suffering. Suffering is optional. It's optional. Um, you know, you see a kid with cancer, and I don't know if you've ever seen some of these videos of kids in these hospitals and their demeanor, how happy they are. Like, and you look at them and you wonder how. You know, you it's from commercial. from our no, not even commercials, just you know, little things online. I mean, I, I watch this. Well, shit. I think you're hitting on it. They're in a hospital and they're on a lot of. Painkillers and drugs. If that's you go tough. out to the, <laughs> that's the pessimist. <laughs> if well, if you go to you know darkest Africa or whatever, and you see a kid with cancer, he's probably laying on the ground writhing in pain until he dies. Well, it's, before he dies, it's something to be thankful for. You be- know, our hospitals help us before he dies. But yeah. you're going to be hard sold to tell a kid in 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 like Africa or a third world country, no, that's not suffering that you're feeling. That's not pain that you're feeling. You can get you can get over that. That's that's kind of rough. I don't. I think that's a hard sell for people well, without like modern medicine. They wouldn't even understand it, right? So you like even with my understanding, you know, when somebody passes away, my my view on death is not death. It's and I believe there's a purpose for everything. Am I gonna? It, I'm not good at consoling people. I'm not the guy to do that. But I'll be there. I'll, I'll be there for a hug and I'll listen. But my viewpoint on death is not the same as most people's. It's a transition. And it's necessary. And I don't believe that you really go anywhere. Your energy and – and I can believe this from a physics perspective too. You know, the, 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 the conservation of ener- energy, the first rule of thermo- thermodynamics or law of thermodynamics, conservation energy, of energy. Energy is neither created nor destroyed in a closed system. It, it, it but we don't know if it's a closed system or not. It, even if it's infinite, it's a closed system, right? If it's infinite, it's infinite and it's still a closed system. Just be, see, we limit ourselves by what we call the observable universe, and we think that's God. We think that you know scientists will take this observable observable universe and call it the gospel truth to them. That's the same thing as the gospel truth. That fucking thing expands every ten years. Now even more with technology, every almost everything you thought twenty five years ago for the most part was debunked. You know what I mean? Like it, it constantly shifts and changes and shifts and changes. So I, I believe it's a closed system, but also infinite. You know what I mean? And it, now if we talk about human beings, well, we're a closed system, right? We're a closed system. We're one type of closed system. Humanity is one type of closed system. Yeah. But you got to view it from that standpoint. You can't take that closed system and remove it from infinity. I think that's a disservice to the science that people are trying to um, – the scientific method that, that they're, they're calling their gospel. You know, it, 
we're quantum <clears throat> systems. Well, they, they the change side. it though. It's like you said, it's, it's ever evolving. And that's part of the scientific method is to, I have an idea. We're going to model it. And that's what we're going to believe until we have new evidence. We're going to test it. Yeah, we're going to test it or observe. Hypothesis. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. And that's so I don't see a problem. I don't think it's breaking the scientific method to say, you know, 25 years ago to have one opinion about the universe and it being steady state and now saying, hey, the universe might be infinite because it's expanding. That's OK. No, but it is when you're stuck there. In the same way, a religious if you fanatic, if you're new, stuck. Yes. Yeah, and absolutely. if you get stuck there, that's a problem. And that's more of a problem that you have to deal with than I have to deal with, but that's that's where the lack and limitation that's that's where it comes into play. I think right there the the religious thing is lack of uh, adaptation. You know, like hey, lack I of open mindedness. Open mindedness. Well, it's fear. Yeah. It's fear. Mindedness. I, I yeah. can't say it. Mindedness. mindedness. <laughs> I laugh when people say God fearing. The fuck is that oh, about? I Why? Really what are you? What are you afraid that. of? Like it, it, I really dislike that. If there is a God that's omnipotent, that created that, you and and loves you in the way that ass. you say, what are you afraid? Whoop your of? ass! Yeah, like, what are you doing wrong? Right, like it, it's you know <clears throat> that plays into Christopher Hitchens' God. You know the the mean dad that watches everything that you do yeah. and judges you. That's the Catholic God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that Catholic God. Check out Christopher Hitchens if you uh, if you want to read some cool cool stuff about that. What would they call that? Uh, arguments against arguments religion. Against. Yeah. Well, organized religion. I can argue. I can argue against organized religion. I don't. I choose not to because why? You know why? Why? Why put my time and effort into that? Into debunking something that that I know um, that doesn't feel right to me. You know, because there's some good people that I know that that do believe in the traditional version of God, and they don't push it on anybody. It's their thing, and it makes them better. That's what it's for. That's, exactly. That's what that's what Jesus was trained to do by the Essenes, right? Jesus was okay. So people have a real <clears throat> hard time loving themselves, Jesus. Um, so go out there and let's talk about God. But really, what they're doing is loving themselves. If you read Greg Braden, he'll talk about this in the Isaiah effect about the, in the, the Nag Hammadi. Um, you read some of these these uh, scriptures, I guess you would call them. And but it goes into the 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 life of Jesus, which to me is what's kept out of the Bible, right? It's just there's this manger and a baby, and then there's this human being that's the Messiah. That's thirty three. You know what I mean? Boom. It, we're we're, we're yeah. the other thirty plus years go in between. Don't question. Just right. obey. But but he he was taught that okay, well if you can bring people to God, you can bring the, you're bringing them back to themselves because we are God. He he was Gnostic, right? That the teachings were all Gnostic. And it was all about empowerment. It was about empowerment. That's all it was about. And that's why he was killed as a revolutionary because he was empowering people that, you know, by, by political standards should not be empowered. He befriended the, the, the poor, the dying, the prostitutes. I mean, the, that's, that, those were his people, you know? Um, I like that version much better than like the, uh, the Christian version, like your King James version. All things through me. Uh, if you don't believe in me, turn the other cheek. Shit. I think you know, Nietzsche had funny, a good, uh, good thing about Jesus. I was listening to Course of Miracles. Like, Have you finished that yet? I listen to it all the time, but okay. I, I finished it. But it was funny. They were reading, uh, and it it just struck me as odd when I heard it. Is that God didn't grant. People eternal life. He granted his son eternal life. 
Yeah. So the rest of y'all can do, you, you ain't getting no eternal life. He only promised Jesus eternal life. And I was like, why did I miss that? You know? Because I, I really threw me off like when I heard it. And I was like, so you have all these people that are believing in Jesus because they believe that they'll have eternal life if they do that. If they believe in Jesus. Right. But they completely misread what was said. Right. Jesus gets eternal life. That don't mean you do. And you I know, just. That's, that's hard because the, like a lot of the Jesus stuff says, follow me, do what I say, and you will be with me King through James. eternal life. King James. Yeah, yeah, Jesus James. stuff. Right. Because Jesus, would, you know, when he wept on Palm Sunday, I love that that's still in the Bible. All these things I can do, you can do and more. I, you guys aren't getting it is what he's saying here. You, you're not getting it. Like, don't worship me. I'm not saying worship. I mean, that that was to me about as clear as – and there's, people can interpret it however they want. And, and am I interpreting the teachings of Christ in the way that they make sense to me? All I have is my life experience. So, yeah, I'm going to interpret them in the way that – and I realize that. I realize that I'm biased in a direction towards compassion because that's what feels good to me. So – so I, I don't sit here and try to say that that's the absolute truth because there is no truth. There's only perspective. Right. Honestly. You should, you should be fluid with that. As you, you, as you change and as you understand things, you should change. Going back to Jesus, I, one of the funny things to me is if you read the whole story about, you know, uh, there's God, the Father, and then Jesus, the Son, right? So basically God sacrificed himself to himself to save us from himself. Sounds about right. Yeah. But in truth, God why not is us, just, we are God. Why not just right. skip the middle, the three middlemen in that equation and just you know directly forgive us? So I like the metaphor of us being a dream, God's consciousness, right? Where we're all individualized, uh, in, not interpretations, but manifestations of God. We are, say, we're the, you know, we're the cells in the liver or whatever, like in a human closed system. Well, there's this God system, right, which is – in my, and I don't want to say belief system, but the way I see it is consciousness. God is consciousness. Everything springs forth from God in the same way it did from the Big Bang, from a, a scientist perspective. Um, everything springs forth from that. That you know, God, God is the uh, is the the infinite movie screen where all these projections play out. They come in, they go, but it's all part of God. You know what I mean? It so so that's how I see it. Is in that we're all part of that. We can't be separate from it in the way that wood can't be separate from this table. Only there is no table without the wood. So God is the wood, right? And it can take many different shapes, but it never separates from itself. You know who that sounds like? No. I mean, I, I like that, but it sounds like Bill Hicks. Remember the comedian Bill Hicks? Oh, yeah. And he said, you know, paraphrasing here, but uh, basically we are the universe trying to experience itself. We are God, or you can say we are God trying to experience, trying to understand. So that's why I feel like we are special. You know, even if you're a fucking scientist and you're pessimistic and you're, 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 uh, you're um, nihilistic in thought and you're, um, you're atheist, whatever. If you look at, if you just look at, you know, it's kind of like a flat earther. Well, no, look, you can see the shadows and other, just fucking look. Fake man. news. Just, yeah, just look. <laughs> if you just look at the evolution of human beings, right, to not say that even in a closed system, which, you know, our observable universe, to say that we're not special, that our level of consciousness is not special in all of this, to me is asinine. Like, that's asinine. Could it be an accident? Sure. 
Could it just be that, you know, the primordial soup bred these things forth and already uh, Darwin's been debunked as it pertains to human beings, right? The, 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 um, the theory of evolution does not apply to humans. 200,000 years ago, there was a sudden shift and, and uh, natural selection doesn't happen suddenly. It's gradual. It's over time. So the new science that maybe they'll teach in school, maybe they won't, has debunked it completely. So there was a sudden shift to the neocortex, which took our 2%, um, we're 2% away from a chimpanzee. So the neocortex, there's a mutation in this chimp DNA, then all of a sudden, just like that, as if it were manipulated, they know this now to be fact. They can go back to the manipulation. And now we have the neocortex. Now we can speak. Now we're human beings, right? And then humans evolve. So to say that we're not special in some sense, could it have been an accident? Sure. I mean, but they say it's very rare that all this was an accident. Like they're starting to debunk the Big Bang Theory because they're saying that to have everything precisely work out, calibrated Mm -hmm. so that life happened on a planet where – so many things and so many different scenarios would could go wrong over the smallest detail. Yeah, there's a there's a name for that. For it to work out is that there had to be a Some creator, conscious design, source, conscious design. Well, what if what if the universe is created incorrectly? We don't exist. I mean, the fact that we exist is proof that. Whatever happened at the Big Bang or the beginning was obviously the right thing to be there, right? And this maybe there's, and there's there could be infinite universes. Maybe right? there's multi a multiverse. Maybe Why not? There's a billion trillion universes where we don't exist because it it starts and then it collapses, or it starts and then it's dead, or or something like that. And here's my question for the fear based person, for the person who lives in lack and limitation. Um, for the atheist, because I believe that's a fear-based perspective. Um, I don't think a- agnosticism is. I, 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 there was a long time where I was agnostic, right? I, there, I wasn't looking for anything. But, you know, the, the for the fear-based person, I, 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 I lost my train of thought. Well, on that, you said, you know, you used to be agnostic. I would – I would say – and I don't want to brag. I'm not saying I'm an actual smart person but I, I feel like if you are raised in a religion or whatever, religious, you know, Christian, I was raised Christian and then you start to think for yourself and start to question things, I think it's only natural to become agnostic. It, you just don't want to get stuck there. You and don't if want you're to fall honest, into that label. And if you're honest, you have to be agnostic because if you're honest, you cannot prove – Beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's a God no, or but you not can ask God. for proof. You, and you can choose to believe. You can ask You can proof. believe, absolutely. You know. But if you're going to go the evidence route, then I think it's it's just a natural thing to consider yourself yeah, I don't. I so don't this consider... fear thing, did it come back to you? No, no. I, to I, the I, fear-based person? Yeah, I completely I, – I complete, it was based on something Sean was saying, but I, I lost my train of thought. Anywho, <laughs> must not have been that important. <laughs> must not have been that important. Um that's oh, all good because you know my mind starts going. There's so many concepts that we can cover. I, I don't. I don't consider myself agnostic. I say I believe. I believe well, in the, the agnostic, source, right? You know, it means and without believe, knowledge. You know, that's all it means. Without knowledge. Well, and I guess we, from that standpoint, we we are we're all agnostic, right? Because there's you know, and even even if you have knowledge, that's limited. It's like you were saying, like truth is really hard to define. It's kind of slippery because there's. 
there's not like an ultimate truth or an ultimate fact about a lot of things. No, and it's real subjective. The Thank you. That's what I was going the for. The experience subjective. of truth is subjective. So what I feel – and I can talk to people who've had transcendental experiences, right? And and we can kind of agree on what that is. You know, I, I, across, across – um, there's all these different types of people that have psychedelic experiences, near-death experiences – but we can all kind of agree that there's this feeling of oneness there, right? There's, there's this, and there's this experience to where you don't feel the need to ask questions because there are none and you just feel right. So that isn't a, that's, I don't know that it's an agreement, but for that to happen subjectively over a multitude of different types of people over throughout the, the through the beginning of written human history for that to continue to happen. Well, to me, that's the scientific method proving itself. Right. So now we can go back to, you know, uh, an atheist neuroscientist, right. That wants to relegate it to chemicals in the brain and these electromagnetic responses that create that. And oh, there, there's a God center of the brain. Bruce Lipton, <clears throat> he, uh, he's, he's a, um, uh, biologist, molecular biologist turned spiritual guru. He's, he's like a Greg Braden scientist yeah. turned. And he talks about the uh, self-receptors on the cells. So there's these little antenna on the cells, right? Now, if you take a cell from somebody's liver and you try to put this into another person's liver and you don't remove the self-receptors, this is what they call them, the self-receptors, that uh, liver will reject that. It'll, it will kill that cell. It's, you're out of here. You're that not. Sounds like Sam Harris. Is that Sam Harris? Well, Sam Harris, it, Sam Harris and Bruce Lipton and, oh, okay. you know, sorry. But, uh, but so, but, but it's truth. Like this is scientific fact that these self receptors exist. Now, if you take away the self receptors, that's generic now. It can go into anybody's liver, into any organism, and it's no longer identified with self. So then they, they did a little more experimentation. Well, where it's the the experience of self isn't in this antenna. This these antennae antennae or however the fuck you say it, uh, are receivers. But where where are they receiving the signal from? Yeah, of what self? are they receiving? Well, of self of identification <clears throat> with whatever cell that the human self is that's confined to these five senses. You take this this cell out, and they talk about it when people get heart transplants, experience and what happened in the other person, and that kind of thing. Um, you know, and if you don't know the science and that, that can be real woo woo and that's easy to reject. But when you start thinking about things in terms of, okay, well, there's a, I'm, I'm being transmitted my identity of self from someplace else. And it exists outside of who myself is because I can put myself into somebody else's cell and they're good. It's going to kick me out, whatever my identity of self. So to, when I heard that, I was like, well, wow, that's, that's fascinating as hell. Yeah, that is fascinating. It sounds like you were going to say you have to put on some, uh, Tinfoil on your head. Well, it's like that, right? <laughs> like you're. Kidding. I mean, it is. The mothership is, is is telling me to do this right now. And when you think about life <clears throat> that way, the the fear of lack and limitation really starts to dissipate. If if you know that you're connected, if you are, oh, that's what it was. We were talking about um, the manifestations of uh, of of God. Were manifestations yeah. of God. And if you're if you're if you're that, if you're truly that. How could whatever God is not be rooting for you or the universe, right? Because I feel like while I'm down here, with with every turn, with every trauma, with every with every bout with suffering that I've ever encountered, when I've turned the corner, it's elevated my frequency. 
And you know, from a scientific perspective, this is all frequency. If we talk about string theory and the manipulation of atoms or, or subatomic particles and what they can do now with nanotechnology, well, we know it's all frequency. Everything's frequency. This is a, the universe is one big giant frequency. So if you're part of that frequency and you're tuned into that frequency, how could you not be infinitely powerful? And in this experience where everything seems to be put in front of us for us to overcome, right? That's what suffering is. And when our child suffers, well, maybe that child doesn't understand that, but we better understand that. We better figure out how to take that in a way that we don't have to suffer also. And maybe we can guide them through if they are terminal with cancer in the best way possible so that that their passing can be as easy as possible. But just knowing that we're part of that that infinite whole, how could you ever feel like you're lacking or limited in anything that you do? And the answer is because we believe it. We're programmed to believe it. We choose to believe it. We take that out with us, and that's what we fucking do. And it's our fault to a certain extent. You know, you got to get rattled enough. Like I, when I had that experience with ketamine and, and uh, <clears throat> the birth of my son and quantum physics, all those things combined, that's fucking weird. Where did that come from? Like I, I didn't mani- – maybe I did manifest it somehow. Maybe I was searching and didn't know. But this, this weird amalgamation of these different things at th- a certain point in my life forced me to look outside of myself and say, you're pretty confined to your fucking belief system, man. You better change, you know? And it, it took something to rattle me to the point where I would. So that's where alcoholism or, or uh, uh, drug addiction, if you can find yourself on the other side, there's extreme benefit to those things being available to us. You could die, right? It's dangerous. Just like taking that rich jumping off that fucking building with a, a, a fucking towel like I used to do when I was a kid thinking I could fly like Superman. There's danger in that. But if you make it through, there's not. There's something else on the other side of that shit. And that's that's where we got to break down these lack the, the the fear of lack and limitation, because everything that's bad on the face of this planet amongst human beings comes from that fucking fear. All of it. Everything. If you look at everybody's action, any political leader that consider themselves a hero, they were scared that somebody was going to take what's theirs and what's theirs is limited. You know what I mean? You know, <clears throat> on that uh since you're mentioning the universe, it just popped into my head that I'd really like to talk. Maybe we could do an episode about it, about how language affects what the universe is to you. Because I think, yeah. for example, like if you're if you're five, you have a very limited vocabulary. So your experience of the universe is probably a whole lot different than, you know, 40-year-old me who knows oh, 10,000 yeah. words. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> they say we all used to communicate. Telepathically. Telepathically. And, and Jung would say that we're evolving back to that point. He breaks the brain into eight places. And he says, uh, you know, the, the parts of the brain that haven't been used yet. And he said, give it time. Yeah. You'll evolve. And, and it'll happen. Um, <clears throat> we're getting the minute. Do you have anything in red? It's all good. All good? You're afraid all of some All good shit? in the hood. You feel limited? You feel lacking? No, no. It was, uh, I'm afraid of spiders. You know... I think it's all about changing your perspective on how you look at things. You know, if you truly want something or try to get somewhere, uh, believe that anything is possible. I mean, I I truly believe that it's in the belief that anything is possible where you learn how to manifest things 
and co-create with the universe. Well, it's where possibilities can manifest, right? right? I mean, you gotta if you allow think, for if it. If you think you're always going to be stuck in this fucking job, then you guess what? You're probably going to be stuck in the fucking job. Or one that looks just like it. But I'll go with Clint Eastwood. A man's got to know his limitations to overcome them. Well, limitations are just there to overcome, so I'll take it a step further. But, uh, okay, well, that's us. We're, uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Um, we may have a surprise guest for you. We will uh, keep you posted, keep the comments coming, the messages, uh, subjects, and we'll get to them all. Thank you. Thank you.